Welcome to Culture Factor. I'm your host, Holly Shannon. Our new season looks at creators, innovators, and entrepreneurs. Why? Because the gig economy is emerging. Talent has gone to work for themselves. Whether furloughed or part of the great resignation, they've birthed the big idea, and those 57 million Americans are contributing more than $1 trillion to the U.S. economy annually. This is what the new normal looks like. You now have a front row seat to creator culture and into the places where the magic is being made. Subscribe now to Culture Factor so your ears are treated to some of the best stories around the world. And if you take the time to rate, review, and share this, please send me the screenshot and I'll give you a shout out on my show. Please reach out if you'd like to sponsor Culture Factor. It is your opportunity to be a part of a show that is ranked in the top 2% globally and heard in over 77 countries. Email holly at hollyshannon.com to be a part of this global audience. Today, we have Abraxas Higgins with us. He is a thought leader, impact influencer, and social audio strategist. He is the UK's largest and most notable social audio creator, boasting a clubhouse following of over 460,000. He's also become a leading social audio strategist, offering consultation and ideation sessions for companies and high net worth individuals. He's worked with multiple brands to date, such as South by Southwest, Adobe, Ted Baker, and Amazon Prime Video. And today, we have him on Culture Factor. Hi, Abraxas. Hey, Holly, what's up? That was a very nice introduction. Um, I'm going to add to that, though. Um, the world's first social audio influencer and Clubhouse's first native influencer, too, which is dope. On Instagram, nobody really knows. Some people say Paris Hilton, yada, 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 so on and so forth. But I am 100% sure I am the world's first social audio influencer. Which is <laughs> Fantastic. And you heard it here first on Culture Factor. <laughs> I love that. That is amazing. I think what some people may not be aware of you, and if you don't mind me taking you back a smidge, um, that you had studied computer science and you worked at um, BlackRock for seven years, which is the largest global asset management company. So I would say that many people would say that you've landed in the best place. How could you ever leave that? So I would like to know what shifted in your mind at that seven-year mark and what motivated you to jump? That is an amazing question. And there are probably so many people out there that are in similar situations to what I was in. So um, I had made some, some, some decisions that probably didn't map out the way I intended for them to map out. Um, I think when I was younger, my, my sort of understanding of money was what drove me into that sort of that field. So the best way I can explain it is the reason I studied computer science is because I read on the internet that people that do computer science make a lot of money. So I studied computer science. I was miserable, didn't like it. Um, it's a great sort of modality of thinking. It's a really good way to think about solving problems, but I did not like it. And the main reason I did it was I wanted to make money. If I make a lot of money, then I'll be able to alleviate all of my problems. That's what I thought. So I make the same mistake once I graduate. I'm like, yo, how can I just make a lot of money? And apparently people in finance made a lot of money, right? So I was like, oh, I'll just work in finance. Um, and that's what I did. Um, grueling interview process of nine interviews um, in like a very short amount of time. They were all an hour long. 
just awful in my humble opinion. I remember it being really intense. Um, and the I got to a point where it just didn't make sense to me to do it anymore. I was tired. Uh, my health was kind of lagging, like really lagging. You know when people say like stress will kill you? Like no, stress will actually kill you. Like it will actually put you in your grave. Like you have to be so careful and figure out what things trigger you uh, and make you stressed and try and alleviate those stresses as and when you can. It's not cool to be in flight or flight, fight or flight all the time. So ultimately there's a quote, and I can't remember who the quote's by, but it says the majority of men lead lives of quiet desperation. I was the majority of men. I was miserable. I'd wake up every day, absolutely miserable, knowing I was going into an office to have these boring conversations, these water cooler chats that I had no interest in. Um, and it was just boring. I can't, I can't think of an, another way to say it. It was super boring to me. There are people that probably love it. And while everybody else was reading the Financial Times and The Economist, I was reading like Hype Beast and Heist Variety. I was essentially somebody who was okay at playing chess, trying to play chess. And I was okay at it when really and truly I was a sprinter. And I was a really good sprinter and I should, have just, I should just sprint. That should be the thing that I do. Don't try and play chess, even if you're marginally okay at it. Because what was happening was when I was going home, finance was the last thing I was thinking about. That absolute last thing. For other people, it was the first thing they thought about when they woke up and the last thing they thought about when they went to sleep. So by nature, they were just consuming more of that content, getting better at it. By Whereas I was consuming way more about like... <laughs> the culture that I was interested in, music, fashion, so on and so forth. So for me, the reason I left was because ultimately I'd outgrown that space. It had no more to offer me and I had no more to offer it. That is like an amazing epiphany because I feel like a lot of people get into the grind of what they thought they liked and they just keep pushing and pushing, learning more and leveling up, thinking that, they're going to find that sweet spot where it, where it confirms that they are in the right place or made the right decision. I agree. I think sometimes you have to start again. And so many people are afraid to do it. But I think you're young at 40. I think you're young at 50. Um, I remember there was a really unique project that I was working on. Am I allowed to talk about the project now? Yeah, I can talk about the project. I don't care. So it's a really unique project that I was working on. We were talking about... Um, well, what I called it was your 2.0. Um, so everybody has a 1.0. You kind of do the things your parents tell you to do. You think you've kind of found out. And you're probably a little miserable doing it. Some people, their 1.0 is their everything. And they land on their feet first time, which is great. Other people, they kind of do their 1.0 and they end up doing their 2.0. And I was supposed to me, social audio, you know, being an influencer, that sort of stuff is my 2.0. Um, which is kind of, it's like my second career, sort of. And some people will have their third career. And I remember working on this project where they were saying that some people are going to get to like 60 and they're going to end up, 60, 70, and they'll end up going back to school, right? They'll end up going back to school for three, four years to study something else, and they will continue working up until they want to, right? So let's say you were an economist your entire life. Once you get to like 60, you'd then retire, go back to school, and then do your, your, your second degree and what it is you truly want to do. You know, maybe you wanted to be a psychologist, maybe you wanted to study linguistics, maybe, but you'll have a better understanding of you at that point in time. And there was this kind of project that I was doing where I was, I was talking about that and what it would feel like, what it would look like, you know, what, you know, and what, what it would do to the source of economy. But um, yeah, that was, that was years ago. Uh, that's probably one of the only things that was interesting that 
I, you know, it, it's true. I mean, I think that, um, you know, I certainly can say that I've reinvented myself several times. Um, sometimes I think we do it out of necessity and sometimes we do it because it's interesting. We, we have an aha moment, right? Like you did. Um, let, let me ask you this question. So, um, we'll, we'll get like a, a little deeper here. So you ended up moving to LA as a digital strategist at this time for a rapper by the name of David Sebastian, what were you doing in this role? Was it scary? Did it feel natural finally? And were you completely breaking new ground ground in what you were uh, doing with him? Another really good question, Holly. You've clearly done your research. (laughs) (laughs) This this is my wheelhouse, I will say. (laughs) Oh, man. So... So the reason I ended up even so I, I love I've loved music my entire life. Like I play the piano. If you check my Instagram out, there's like reels of me like playing like I don't know Chopin's Fantasy Impromptu and playing like Vanessa Carlton a thousand miles. Just ridiculous things that I just I just like to play. I've always loved music. I ended up leaving right. So at this point, I'm burnt out. I'm done. I finally got to the point where I'm like I cannot imagine doing this anymore. And I think there was a question I asked myself was like if they said we'll give you twenty million dollars to stay for ten years, would I take it? And I was like, no, there is no way. They could offer me 20 minutes. Like, that was what I said in my head. Not that they were ever going to do that, but I was like, nah, there's no way. Like, why? Why would I do that? I was like, I think I think I can make 20 million in 10 years if I really knuckle down on my own terms. So I was like, all right, cool. Music seems like a good thing to do. So really and truly, I moved to LA. Um, was staying with a friend of mine at the time who lived on the outskirts of LA. And I was really confused. Like, I had no idea what I was doing. And there was there was this... I would end up, it sounds weird. I remember going to The Habit, which is a burger place in LA, and crying. I was like eating this burger and crying. And my friend at the time was like, dude, you've left. Like, why are you so upset? Like, you've left, you've, you've, you've won. And I was like, dude, that doesn't feel like I've won. Like, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. So there was, first of all, there was this process of kind of being still and sitting with my thoughts, all the uncomfortable ones, all the thoughts that made, you know, where I thought lesser of myself, all the things that I should have said back to my boss when he made snidey, or she made snidey comments about me or whatever it was. And I had to sit in that for a while. But ultimately, what I ended up doing was knocking on a few doors in a few studios, ended up working with now a good friend of mine on an augmented reality project. And slowly but surely, rooms were just kind of opening up. It's really funny when you're like, hey, I used to work on Wall Street. I'm like, what? Oh, yeah, come to the studio, man, for sure. Like, <laughs> oh, and I played the piano too. Oh, cool. Um, so I end up um, meeting David Sebastian, who's an incredible incredible multi-hyphenate um and we just we just we catch a vibe so to speak um really good human and ultimately what happens is um time's running out for me uh my visa is running out and my healthcare i no longer have healthcare and i'm in the i'm in the u.s and everybody's getting sick which i now know to be covid right i'm like why is everybody getting sick like seriously sick i don't have any healthcare like things are going okay but Ultimately, I have to come back to the UK with my tail between my legs. I'm like, I, I am a failure. Like, that's what I feel like. I was like, I couldn't do it. Like, I could have went to, like, the KPMG or something. But I was like, it's going to be the same thing. Instead of getting the train, I'll just drive there. But ultimately, um, I made a really good impression on David Sebastian. He was like, dude, I'm trying to build something here. You know, I've got an album, which I think is incredible. I'd heard the album, and I was like, yep, it is an incredible album. Um, like, it should be, you know, Grammy-nominated when it comes out. And we have a conversation, and... A friend of mine who was also on that team says, hey, we would love to have you and these few other people and we're building this team 
and we want you to do digital strategy. Now, keep in mind, I'd done strategy for BlackRock, so it didn't feel alien. None of it felt alien, and strategy is a really interesting place to play, um, but it didn't feel alien to me. It was actually quite interesting. It was way more interesting than what I was doing before. I didn't really care about strategy for some hedge fund. It just was whatever. Strategy for an artist who was on the brink of being something, anything, was way more exciting to me. So there were there were hurdles for sure. There were things that there were places where I made mistakes, and none of them huge. The places where I made mistakes, but it was very much so like a guerrilla marketing sort of campaign. And I used my coding skills as well to code some augmented reality merch and did all sorts of like crazy things where it was just back to basics. Um, you know, through his idea, he was like, I want to sell this album for $7.77 on my Instagram. Like, I don't want to put it on DSPs. And we were like, uh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know if it's a good idea. Man. But ultimately, we were working on this sort of guerrilla marketing campaign together. And that was just the pinnacle of it. That was just something that, you know, he was so comfortable doing. And it ended up being incredible. Um, it ended up, you know, with like Billie Eilish having the album, what, paying $7.77, Damon Dash paying like, you could pay more. I think Damon Dash paid 10000 or 20000 so this this guerrilla marketing campaign was hugely successful. Um, he's now signed to Warner and is doing incredible things. I no longer work with the team, but it's probably the best team I've ever worked on in my entire life. Everybody has gone on to do things. From one of them is Nat, you know, Gage just did some choreography for Kanye. Um, Ariana has now um, got a huge job at Nike. Uh, Will Taylor now manages and well, it's managed a few artists. Um, and is involved, still involved with David Sebastian. Like everybody has gone on to do these incredible things. So it was a team. The album was called We Are God, and it was a team that was just truly nimble, and we all trusted each other. So ultimately, for me, the way I ended up in that space was just through trial and error. Um, I, I I had to drop everything I was doing before. I had to forget the numbers, forget <laughs> forget the Economist and the Financial Times. Thank God, and <laughs> just go and be yourself. And that's ultimately how I landed this. And I didn't have a plan. All I knew was that I wanted to do something in music. And once I got there, I realized that, I don't know, like these big labels are just kind of like big banks. This is this is more of the same. And I kind of don't want to do this. So I then had to reinvent the word again. But that's, that's another story. Well, if there's time, you could always go there. Uh, you know, it's so interesting to me that you, um, that you saw that as a failure. But, you know, what happened. But I actually think that it was you were on the precipice of taking your um, experience, your education in computer science, your education in the financial arena and the intensity of that and finding the parts that were um, applicable to your new life that you were starting to emerge into, you know, the fact that you could use some of that coding, the fact that you could lean in on your um, business strategic ideas. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I actually think like, that was just like, your first few steps. Personally, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Now, I at the time, I didn't realize right at the time, I was kind of like, well, this doesn't really make sense. But Ultimately, what had happened was all the skills that I had, like all the skills, the fact that I played the piano as a kid and all, all these skills that I had cultivated as a kid, as a young man, it was then harvest season. 
that's the best way I can explain it. That all those skills that were useless in the office were now extremely tangible. The fact that I knew how augmented reality worked and could code weird, you know, code a David Sebastian video into his merch, or the fact that I knew how to read music um, and could understand, like, you know, I don't know what chord would go with what chord. But all these small things, as I said, at the time made no sense. They were just things that I enjoyed, things that I found interesting. But and I think even, even to this point now, I'm completely in my sort of harvesting season. Um, it, it's interesting. It's really, really, even today's been an insane day for me. I've just had an IWC um, video go live um, on their Instagram that has like 1.5 million followers. And another, and on the same day, <laughs> another campaign go live with Ted Baker. Right, and that's been my entire January. In January, I barely left my, my, my house and was just focusing on what it is I wanted to do and focusing, you know, talking to brands and figuring out, you know, what comes next. And ultimately for me, as I said, it's this harvesting season where all these, all these things I did or have done have now, they're now my superpowers. The fact that I can play Chopin's revolutionary study, right? That is a superpower. If I sit down at a piano, people are like, what the hell? The fact that I can speak Japanese, like, can I have a conversation about what the, like all of these things, as I said, didn't seem like valuable things. They are now extremely, extremely valuable. Have Have you purged the um, the old uh, anger? Have you gotten it out? Do you feel as though you've stopped having that um, internal conversation with your old boss? One thousand um, percent. There's an, <laughs> there's an article. Do you know what? It's really funny. Before, no. There was a time when definitely not. I was angry. I was really angry. How dare they make me feel like that? How dare they say that to me? Why was, you know, John treated favorably when I was kind of demonized? for like all, of these, all of these things. And at some point, I had to... <laughs> it sounds kind of stupid, but I had to let go like none of it none of it mattered anymore right none of it mattered anymore like i get dms from people i used to work with all the time like dude like everybody's talking about you in the office so like, this guy thinks you're a rapper and this guy thinks you're like, it's hilarious right i know for a fact and in the grand scheme of things it's it's kind of like school these offices they were just trying to survive they had kids they had their wife they wanted to buy engagement rings all these things they were just trying to survive. There was one person who I believe was truly malicious, but that's neither here nor there. Um, it's neither here nor there to me anymore. It's like, whatever. Well, there's always haters, right? <laughs> yeah, and, th and this was it. That was my first hater. I want to I mention her name so badly. But that, <laughs> that <was my> <laughs> hey, feel free. You know, it's, it's culture factor. It's heard in over 92 countries. Let's blast it out. <laughs> she was my first hater, so to speak. And but just to take pride in almost like ridiculing me, right? But at the end of the day, I realized what it is. This person was scared. I towered over them. I towered over them, I'm six foot five, black, have this great smile, talk well, funny, interesting, speak Japanese. And this is the person you have to manage. Her skills were completely inadequate to manage somebody like me. Well, she wouldn't know where to turn. How would she, how would she even, what did, how would you support somebody like me? So ultimately, 
my presence as a whole probably alienated this person completely. You know, I remember hearing lines, you don't need a degree to do well, you don't need a degree. Well, why are you telling me? I have a degree and I don't care that you don't. Mm, <laughs> yeah. The things she would say would come out of complete insecurity. So in the grand scheme, have I let that go? I had to. I absolutely had to. That stuff is absolute poison if you hold on to it. It will make you make bad decisions. I know for a fact there's an article out me right now by Afrotech where it's like, you know, went from Wall Street, you know, Wall Street analyst to influencer. And there's one part of that article that I know will grab all of their attention. It says Abraxas Higgins now makes more money than he did when he was working on Wall Street. Now, all of the accolades, I could get all of the accolades in the world, but in, that, in those institutions, that is what matters to them. How much money do you make? But to me, that's neither here nor there. But I know for a fact that article is circulating around that office. I know for a fact that they probably don't want to read it, but probably have. Oh, I'm sure they have. Fact, oh, my God. And I know for a, <laughs> this was a game of winners and losers. I'm definitely winning. <laughs> well, so I, 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 I think that's amazing, though, that you see that now. Took some time, took some time. But yeah, definitely see it now. So so let's let's go into harvest season a little bit. So you leaned into fashion. Um, you represent the British luxury clothing brand Ted Baker. Um, and you kind of manifested the IWC Schaufhausen collaboration, which is a watch company. Um, do you want to share that story about the watch brand? Yes. Uh, <laughs> this is actually really funny. I've never really shared what happened. So I always say to people that are using this app or using social audio, you never know who is listening. You really don't. Um, they're just faces down at the bottom of the screen, but you don't know who's listening. At the time, I think I just signed a contract to work with Ted Baker, right? Um, and everything's going great. I'm, you know, halfway through my first season, and I get this email from somebody. And it's like, you know, we'd be really interested in working with you. And I'm just busy. Like, this is the first time I've ever, like, you know, I'm like, wow, I, I'm an influencer now. Like, whoa, like, brands are interested. And for some reason, I keep ignoring this email. I get a message on LinkedIn from the same person. Like, they've hit me on every platform. And I finally, it takes three months. And I'm like, hey, how's it going? Like, are you still interested? <laughs> and I'm like, hold on, IWC? No, it can't be that watch brand that so many of the people I worked with, you know, would wear these watches in the office. And it is, it's actually that brand. I'm like, oh my God, I've wait, made them wait for three months. There's no way they're interested. There's no <laughs> way they're interested anymore. And they're like, yeah, we've been trying to track you down, man. We didn't know how to get in contact with you. We, you know, we'd raise our hand to get on stage with you all the time, but it was just, it just didn't work. It made you more mysterious. Yeah, seriously, I think it did. <laughs> So ultimately, the way that worked is it's really interesting. Somebody I really looked up to in that I used to work with in finance used to have an IWC Big Pilot watch, and they just look different. An IWC watch just looks different. They're you know they were they were made for for pilots. The Big Pilot was made for pilots, and they just you can read them. They're just more legible, like and for, even from a distance, uh, they're slightly bigger. The crowns bigger. They just have these unique features that make them super identifiable. And this guy really liked to have this watch on. And I always look at the watch, but I couldn't ask him, like, hey, what watch is that? Because that would be super embarrassing. So <laughs> I would always look and then like try and Google it. 
And I'm like, what is this watch? And finally, I figured out it was an IWC Big Pilot. And I'm like, man, one day I'm going to have one of those watches. So no, no, time, no time soon, it's fine. But one day, one and behold, <laughs> I end up working with them and doing some really, really, really cool things with them. And I literally just purchased another Big Pilot watch. Um, uh, like they don't, and they don't make very many of them a year. Um, super beautiful um, IWC uh, Mojave. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that, that's how it came about. It was uh, me ducking and diving an email, which ultimately led to one of the best brand partnerships ever. I can't tell you what it is like working with a brand that have been around for over 160 years. Oh, that's like that incredible. in itself yeah. is like the conversations I get to have with these people. Like I am 10 times smarter having had conversations with that brand. Well, it makes sense. It makes sense because a brand that's been around for a century has, uh, it's richer, it's got um, more layers. They were building their reputation before that word became the word brand, right? So you really are like steeped in a really high quality history to, to be a part of something and then to maybe bring it into maybe web three. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, the interesting thing is I've been having a lot of conversations around NFTs, which for my listeners or anybody in the room who's not familiar, it's a non-fungible token. So it kind of acts a little bit like a ticket or an asset. And um, so I'm interested you know, I had this conversation with somebody where, like, if you bought a, a Louis Vuitton bag and you used an NFT to purchase it, it would, what it creates is an authentication. It creates an authentication that says you own it and it's the real thing. And as we get into like a counterfeit, you know, into the counterfeit world, that could be advantageous. So, I'm really sorry I'm giving this long preface on here, Abraxas, but I think a lot of people don't know what an NFT is. So I want to ask you a left field question, but I needed to lay the groundwork. So if someone can buy an IWC brand NFT, like uh, they want to buy a watch and IWC creates an NFT for it so they can establish and authenticate that purchase, um, are you, first of all, are you exploring this with them? And if yes or no, and I'm just talking business strategy now, um, can you create utilities to further the buyer's experience, like to create added loyalty, added exclusivity? Um, and cause you know, luxury brands love to do that. And IWC is one. Um, can you bridge NFTs with them? Have you already, are you creating utility and experiences with them? Um, and did I just go way off in left field? <laughs> no, you didn't go well from left field at all. Um, I think every brand at this point in time is thinking about web three, right? Everybody is They're like, well, how do I, how do I function in this space? How do I not get left behind? So on and so forth, right? I can't say anything in particular for IWC, but I can talk in sort of shapes. Um, as I said, this isn't really particular for any brand, but there is so much you can do in this space, right? There is, there is right, right now what we're seeing is a sort of gold rush. And I think a lot of the projects that are coming out right now are going to be vaporware. 
And what I mean by that is there are going to be projects that where they promise a lot, under-deliver, and their value just plummets, plummets completely. Like, there are going to be a lot of vaporware projects out there. Um, it's interesting we even, we're even having this conversation about NFTs. Um, and if you look at some of the biggest, well, the most sought-after NFTs, you look at like CryptoPunks and Bored Apes, they really, really started to gain traction here on Clubhouse. Um, I remember telling a friend of mine being like, yo, you really need to get in on this. And I was like, dude, I am busy. I have no time for some picture of an ape. Like, I just... <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, but I, I was really stressed at this point. I was really busy working on something else. I was like, dude, I have no time. No. Don't care. <laughs> so funny. Um, and he's like, yeah, you know what? I bought three. Um, I was like, oh, they're cool for you. Well, millionaire now. Right? Yeah, right. Hindsight is always twenty twenty, Abraxas. <sighs> yep, twenty twenty. You know, my third eye as well. We're gonna go twenty 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 with this. But um, the interesting thing here is this, right? It's what they're offering at the moment. I would say with these things is like community. Community is a really important thing. So let's say um, I wanted to create an NFT suite, right? And it was going to be, I don't know, 500 individual NFTs. Um, what could I then offer to my community is what your is 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 what really should be should be the, the, the discussion. You know these generative generative generative. <laughs> Sorry, these these projects where they use the same picture and change them slightly, very cool for now. But I think this space is going to change and demand more. Right, there's going to come a time where people want more. If they're buying something, they're going to want more. So when I say that, okay, well, I've been following on an audience here of half a million, I could then say, okay, cool, well, I'm only creating 500. They're going to be one ETH each. But the real question is, why would somebody want to have that NFT? Right, so this is this whole idea about utility. Now, if you think of something like, let's say, Coachella, who have just recently said they're going to drop an NFT, and I spoke about this months ago, I was like, it'd be really cool if they dropped like 10 very special ones that give 10 very special individuals like free reign. They can be backstage, well, you know, not on stage, but backstage doing, you know, it's like a VVIP thing. Like the value of that thing will only appreciate over time, right? The lucky ones who get it, you auction them off, the lucky ones who get it, boom, insane. What, is, what can one person do? If you have an audience, and I always think audience, well, let me say, not an audience, if you have community, because I think community is going to be the backbone of everything Web3, everybody who has a community will be able to, I don't say monetize, but they'll be able to function in Web3 um, way nimbly than anybody else can and be able to have people, essentially, if they want, you know, fund their endeavors, right? Whether it be through NFTs, whether it be for a DAO. But ultimately, I think this whole thing, this whole NFT bubble that we're in right now it will pop some as i said some of these projects are going to be vaporware but ultimately i think the ones who are going to win are the ones who have true utility right so they'll have actual it won't just be a an nft it's going to be something that actually gives you some sort of functionality in the real world this idea of authentication yeah i think that's cool as well um but i think i, I want to say something so i was gonna get myself in trouble i think thinking way beyond this there are so many other ideas that you can push from this space right and that you could really really allow your audience to become a part of something that you are building but i don't want to i don't want to shoot myself in the foot here but yeah working on something pretty cool oh go ahead shoot yourself in the foot no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't, I can't.
can't, I can't, I can't. But Fair. There's so many problems in this space, Holly. Like, imagine, I can't stop somebody from just depositing something into my wallet. For tax purposes, that's extremely dangerous, right? We're all talking about board apes and crypto funds, but that's it. That's, surely that's a problem. All the theft that's happening in the NFT space, surely that's a problem. All the charlatans that are running around saying that they're experts in the space, the people that have shifted from being, because well, at one point they were, you know, I don't know, an expert on, I don't know, an Instagram expert. And now they're, you know, overnight they're an NFT expert. And the thing is, they know a couple of buzzwords, but it's quite scary. There aren't, we don't know who the thought leaders are in the NFT space yet. We just don't. And it's a land grab. It's a cash grab. And there are so many dangerous individuals out there who do not care about anything other than grabbing some cash quickly. Yeah. So it's pretty, it's, it's, a, it's a scary place to be right now. But I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see who the thought leaders are going to be. I agree. You know, when I um, when I rebranded this show to talk about these topics um, in Web3, uh, it was really, really important to me that I broke it down at a very like elemental level, because I think if people can understand um, the the use of an NFT, um, what it could be. Um, I think if we can get some of the basics under their belt, a, a basic understanding, then when they go into these rooms with these so-called experts, they can smell <laughs> the snake oil sales salesman in the room, right? Yes. Yeah. So that's my hope. Yeah. I think, and I think beyond that, one thing that these you know, I think some of these, um, and I speak to, I've spoken to quite a few people that are starting NFT projects, so on and so forth. One thing I always say is this, if you are the first person to sit down with somebody and explain these things in a way that they understand, they will have a certain level of loyalty to you. They'll, they'll, they'll love you more, they'll, they'll probably be one of the first buyers of your products as well. Like, it's really important. You can't just run into these apps and do like AMAs. That's not good enough. There's an educational responsibility that all of these projects, in my humble opinion, should have. Because not only does it help you, it helps the community. And if you truly want to build community here, there are going to be people at different levels. And you should be able to kind of touch on this sort of the, the elementary elements of an NFT and how they work and why it's important and what the future could bring without even talking about your product. Right? Right, right. You're just there to... Uh be a bit of a guide, not necessarily an expert, but a guide so that they can make good decisions and see the capability of building a community or if an NFT has a place for them, yeah. either as a, as a designer, as an artist or as a collector, right? Exactly. Who's, you know, a Web3 shaman, you know, they'll just, they'll guide you through this space. Um, you know, someone's going to steal that now, Web3 oh, no, shaman. I, I, I realized, listen, I realized this a long time ago. If I don't want do you know, I, do you know, and I say it my chest now, I am the social audio influencer's influencer. I kid you not. I can say something in a room, I can coin a term in a room on a Sunday night, and I guarantee I will hear it for months later, knowing that I've said it. But the funny thing is, I've got this, and I should just do it on Twitter. I should just tweet them and put a date next to it. And see what happens. Oh my God, that would no, be seriously. hysterical. Seriously. Starting with vaporware. <laughs> <laughs> no, Vaporware is an old, an old tech one. But if I use that on this app enough, I'm telling you, other people start to use it. It's just, it's one of those things. 
Um, I think there are people that are looked at on this app and in this space um, as thought leaders. I, I'm definitely one of them. Um, but I, I don't really dabble in the, the sort of pop culture stuff from time to time. But there are like, you know, ones that are in pop culture and then there's ones that are kind of overall kind of like these 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 hubs of knowledge that people kind of look to and respect and it's been pretty cool to be um to be to be one of them yeah you i would say you are i'm often asked does my business need a podcast my answer is yes that nothing else is the fast track into thought leadership and being established and seen as the expert in your industry as podcasting what's increasingly evident is that it's a branding machine. It kicks doors open for you to have conversations with leaders. It creates a pathway to partnerships and connections on a deeper level. You will not be your industry's best kept secret. Your ideas and business will have global reach. So step into your power. Go to hollyshannon.com to launch your podcast now. And now back to our interview. Shift a tiny bit. Um, are you representing other creators and NFT artists um, to like help them with brand deals or, or build community, um, or is it more about highlighting them on social audio and and creating and giving them an influential presence? Really good question. Um, I so love that me, I ask good questions. Thank you. Well, you really do, Holly. You really do. <laughs> so for me, the way it works is, and I I say this to everybody. I do not need nor want money from anybody who follows me. I don't need nor want it, right? The one thing I always say to people is, if you like the things I say, then follow me on Instagram. And all I ask you to do is like my posts, engage with my content, leave a comment here and there. Like, that's all I'm asking. I don't want my, I don't have any ebook to sell. Like this, this whole old model of you, you better have an ebook to sell to people, to make <laughs> your money. You better have, you know, click, you know, pay per click. Yeah, the sales <laughs> funnel. <laughs> the sales funnel. It's that shit. Oops, sorry. No, nope, that that's okay. <laughs> is going to die. It's dead. That's not. That's web two. For me, the information I have and everything I've garnered now, I'm willing to give away for free. The only thing I ask many of these to follow me. Like, follow me on Instagram. Like, I'm going to be doing a bunch of lives where I want everybody and anybody to get up on stage. Like, oh, how did you manage to, you know, shift from that job to this job? Or, you know, more interestingly, like, how did you manage to be the world's first social audio influencer? Like, how did that happen? Like, you know, are you sure you were the first? But yeah. You know, how? Well, because da 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 Right. You know, all of, these th- all of these things. And what I want to do really and truly is disseminate as much information as I can no intention of charging people. All I want is their support. Like I want to forge genuine relationships with these people. I want to build a community. So for me, what I do is, um, yeah, a bunch of, well, starting this Friday, well, Thursday and Friday, I'm going to be doing a series of Instagram lives um, with other social audio creators, with other people who are thinking about maybe being a full-time social audio creator. Like I'm telling you right now, it's possible. Like I don't have to do anything other than talk on apps and that's how i earn my living right which is insane because this wasn't a job a year ago yeah yeah but true this is this is what i want to be doing um i am involved in a bunch of web3 projects um as well um some very cool ones as well um that i'm not really allowed to talk about but yeah for sure um web3 projects as well you know what people are working on and we can kind of ideate in real time 
right? Enough of this trying to... I've watched people try and be gatekeepers with information. I've watched people try and be gatekeepers with brands on this app. As if you could stop people, a brand or somebody walking into a room and saying, I want to work with Holly. As if you had to go through this collective. What? Like, no. Like, there is a, there is a huge sort of Web2 mindset from some creators... And there are some people that kind of have this rhetoric around, like as I said, the ebooks and all the rest. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And maybe the model that I have is maybe too weird in the way I think about it. But I don't want money from people. Mm. I want your support. I want your time. I want your effort. I want your I want your engagement. Because it's not just about me. Like together, we are going to be able to build something incredible in Web three. Like together, if I'm the first, I will not be the last. Yeah, if that's I'm a good point. The world's first social audio influencer. Let's do this together. But I'm willing to give it all away. Like, there's, there's nothing to give away. Like, the real currency here, the real currency here, money. The real currency here is community. I know for a fact that is going to be all over Twitter at some point. I'm going to hear it in another room. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. It's an abraxism or something, right? Isn't that it's what you call it? It's, it's, yeah. it's another abraxism. But this is where I'm at with this. As I said, a lot of, and as I said, to anybody who's in this room, anybody who hears this, Feel free to follow me on Instagram. Feel free to DM me. I answer every single DM without fail. Like I spend a large portion of my time answering DMs. Um, so yeah, that's where my head's at. And those are the things that I'm working on. And it's for anyone and everyone. My engagement with brands is, is different. And that's a whole different kettle of fish. But with people, with humans, with real things, not fictitious entities, with real people, is completely different. You don't need to pay me. You just need to believe in me. I love this. You know, you know, you you and I, I feel like are cut from the same cloth in a way because um, when I came on Clubhouse, I kind of um, I didn't get it at first, and then I realized how important of a platform it was. And being a podcaster, it was a natural uh, direction for me. It felt very natural, and. As a podcaster and or a social audio uh, person like yourself or somebody who's a thought leader, I believe the same thing about community. I've I've been you know talking about it for two years that it's the new hashtag. But our ability to look at audio as a way to educate and build community—that's where I think you and I intersect because it's not about the money. Um, sure, I, look. I would love brand deals for Culture Factor. I would love to make money and be a, a social audio strategist. But at the end of the day, if I can educate people and get the word out, kind of like what you're doing, it feels really good, right? Like it feels like we are building community in a very organic way and we are getting our voices and ideas heard and we're educating people. Do you feel that way? Yeah, I definitely feel that way. I feel like some people will get it. Like some people will understand the ideas that you have and like really get it. They'll be like, yo, a practice. What you said there, like I'll get a DM like, and we'll just we'll just ideate on something really crazy and weird. And that feels great. Like there's there's like an evolution that I've watched in some people that I've spoken to, like in, in people that I see in the audience right now. Like I've I've witnessed an evolution in their in their in their growth, and this is just through sharing ideas and isms and all these other things, right? It's 
there is something, and I said, there's something more and it's not tangible. So it's quite hard to be like, well, I have this much. But if I could kind of say like, you know, with the work I've done, you know, even with the, you know, I think about some of the things I've done that not even the clubhouse team have done. Um, like I've done rooms for, you know, for blind clubhouse users, like week on week. That wasn't like, you know, why would I do that? I wasn't getting paid or anything like that. But like, why, why would I do that? Like that in itself was such a learning curve. How would you explain how to use Clubhouse to somebody who's blind? Right. They probably feel alienated from this experience. But it's such a cool experience for them, right? Like if you speak to somebody who's blind and that, use club, that uses Clubhouse, like it's, an, it's a complete, it's, it's a level playing field. Nobody knows. You're just speaking to another human being. And they're using, um, damn it, um, screen reading technology, which is really interesting. You never used it. It's really interesting to kind of use and, and navigate your way around the app. But this wasn't for money. This wasn't so the clubhouse team would shout me out. Like, what did these think? Like, I don't care. I truly don't care. Like, I have learned so much from that community. And that community has learned so much from me. Like this, that you know, that relationship that's still ongoing now was never parasitic. It was symbiotic. Like we needed each other at that point in time. And I'm a big believer if the relationship isn't symbiotic, it is parasitic. There is no in-between here, right? You're either helping each other live or one is leeching off the other. So with that being said, for me, like, I just want all these relationships to be symbiotic. I just want to be able to help and have conversations and people help me and I can help them. Like, and it's been the most rewarding, honestly, being on this application has been the, one of the most rewarding experiences of my life. Like, the, what, it, it's insane. Like, I, I could go on and talk about it forever, but seriously, this is, this is something that everybody should get the chance to experience in some way, shape or form or another, like to, to put yourself in a position where you are vulnerable and you are learning at a high speed and you are questioning, you know, and unlearning and, and learning and relearning. Right. And that's what this app has kind of been for me. Um, and, you know, I didn't think about community at all prior to using this app. And it's something I think about every single day now. That's pretty amazing. You know, um, it's done amazing things for me as well, Clubhouse. I have met so many um, incredible people, thought leaders, true experts, uh, people who care, um, and people who are just trying to learn new things. And it's amazing how quickly you can find all of those things on a social audio app. It's crazy. You, you see what you said about meeting people? And I hope this gets clipped. Stop trying to do things to appease the creators of this app. They don't care. They do what they don't. Build community. Find people here that have the same sort of, I don't know, drive-ism as you and create real connections with them some of the people that i now know like my roller deck is insane because of this application like insane and this is ex i'm not talking about the clubhouse team here but like put them aside i'm talking about people that i've met there's a guy called 
Brandon Farbstein, who's in the audience right now, who's like a Gen Z activist, the fact that if I'm having a problem or thinking about doing a TED talk or doing anything, that I can pick up my phone and call him and be like, hey, Brandon, how would you structure this? That is a connection I did not have prior to this, right? That is insane. Like, or Leah or Sarah. You know, Sarah's, a, Sarah's like a sex, love, and relationship coach, right? That's another human being that I can call if I need help in sex, love, or relationships. I hope I, hope I don't need any help there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or Leah, who's an incredible, like, incredible, like, human who does all these things to help the younger generation if i'm going to do a talk to people that are gen z i'll be like Leo, what do you think i should be talking about what should i lean like heaviest on like this is why this application is amazing to me like i've met so many insane individuals and before i go george who's in the followed by the speaker section george is incredible like hurricane katrina survivor like, you know, blind clubhouse user who's him just being on this app and having conversations with him, he has opened up. Like, I have so many questions. Like, well, how do I do it? How would I explain it? How would I do this? You know, I got accepted into a community that I never would have been accepted into, you know, in, in the real world, so to speak. And through that relationship, I've gone with, like, not only am I a better person, I believe the people I'm with are better. Like, it feels super symbiotic. So I have to say, um, to anybody who's listening, it's not about appeasing the team. It's not about appeasing Clubhouse. It's not about them reposting you or anything like that. It's about the people you meet. I agree. It's it, There's been a lot of serendipity on this platform with the people that you, you meet, and they branch you off in a lot of different directions. I, I see that's happened for you, too. I, I've even gone on in, you know, in real life to meet a lot of the people on here. And my, my world is personally, it's exponentially better because of my clubhouse social audio experience. Me too. Me too. Some of the conversations I've been able to have in real, like not only on this app, but in real life, um, have been incredible. Like some of the people that support me, um, Tony, he's in the audience. Um, just a, just a supporter of me. And, you know, if, if I haven't posted or done a room in a while, she'll be like, hey, um, is everything okay? <laughs> and I'm more than likely going to be like, yeah, everything's okay. Just been a bit busy or, you know, everything's not okay. You know, I'm struggling with this. So through that, through this, through this medium, it's honestly changed my life. I don't quite know how to explain it. I feel like I'm harboring on the same point here. But you're right. Um, everything you've said up until this point is, 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 is correct. I just think... We as a whole, as a community, as people that use Clubhouse, Clubhouses, <laughs> as it were, I think we need to do a slightly better job at being a little more collaborative, um, a little more welcoming to new users, and hopefully a little more, a little smarter. I think there's going to be a big shift in social audio that's coming um, very soon, and I, I, I'm going... I. In, when this shift happens, I'm going to be a defender of the creators, not a defender of any platform. I'll be a defender of the creators, of the, the Brandon, Ceceris, and Leas. I believe you will. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, one of the things that I have always thought would be really beneficial on this platform, not that we need to talk about how to make Clubhouse better, but um, 
I feel that it would be really nice to open up rooms like, okay, so everybody, you're listening to Culture Factor. It's my podcast. Um, You can pin the link and subscribe at the top. But how cool would it be if I could be a part of, like if I could have assigned this live interview to two clubs. So like your club, Abraxas, and my club at the same time so we can cross-pollinate audiences and tribes. Like that would be, I think, so great in in making everybody's experience more robust. You get to introduce me to your friends. I get to introduce you to mine. Exactly. A step further than that, and I've, I've spoken about this a lot, Twitch have a brilliant model. When you start thinking about things that happen live in real time, Twitch have been doing this for a very long time, right? Um, are you familiar with the, um, what a raid is on Twitch? I am not. So I'm going to let you educate I'll, everybody. I'll quickly explain. So we have, okay, you know, 289 people have come through this room and they've currently got 36 people in this room. A raid would be this. Um, there's another room in the hallway happening. Um, you know, let's say my friend John is doing a room in the hallway. You could say, hey, we're going to raid John's room. Everybody who's in here, we're now all going to move over to John's room, right? And you'll see a countdown timer of 10 seconds. And anybody who doesn't want to raid John's room can leave. And all the ones that what do want to will stay and will automatically shift everybody in the audience from this room into that room. Like, I should be able to move my audience wherever I see fit in real time. Right, I could truly help out some new creators that only have 10 people in their room but have great content. Or, you know, I could we could just we create you know, a mega room every Friday or something along those lines. But that model of, you know, the raid model and the cross-pollination of, of, of followers, it's extremely important. Otherwise, you start to create silos, right? Mm-hmm. And that can be dangerous. That's true. Um you know, and, and silos exist on apps, so all apps. So it's it's very interesting to me, especially you being in the social audio space, if somebody doesn't want to come onto this platform, they'll never be introduced to your community. Um, and the community that you might have on Twitter might be vastly different than the community that follows you on Instagram and vastly different from those that follow you on Clubhouse. So... I think that's why I always seem to fall back. You know, a lot of people say, oh, I don't know about podcasting, but I always fall back on it because I feel like it is truly a democratized platform. It's available to everybody in a lot of different places and you don't have to um, be caught up in social media and go on apps if it if it's not for you, like you can just listen and get educated and learn about different things and become part of somebody's community, um, unattached to how apps operate, like, you know, Instagram and Facebook completely optimizing for video that alienates a lot of people you know, maybe even some of the, you know, the blind communities you work with, maybe that makes it harder for them, but they hear really well and you can still reach them with another medium. I don't know how you feel about it. I kind of noticed because, you know, I was stalking everything about you so I can be prepared for this, but it looked like you might be starting a podcast. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> you love that? That is very interesting. I'm, I'm in an interesting position, right? Um, I've been a podcaster for hire so to speak. And so far I've worked with two luxury brands and done 
three seasons or 20 episodes that have done extremely well. So at this point, I can kind of maybe, not maybe, I can walk into a room and say, well, I've done this and it's all been for luxury brands and this is my narrative and this is who I am. This is how much I would like to start doing a podcast. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely exploring um, exploring avenues and exploring lanes and making sure that there is a, that it, if there is support, whether it be financial, whether it be whatever, um, that it works well for me and the people that come on. Um, one thing I would always say was when I was doing things on Clubhouse, if I was getting paid, everybody else that came on stage would get paid too. Mm, that's like, a good way to look I, at it. It's the only way to look at it. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I'm really jealous. I'm, I would love to steal that. Like, uh, you know, I'm sure somebody <laughs> will. I, I think it's really amazing. And, you know, uh, we were talking business strategy earlier, and I sort of feel like that's my wheelhouse. So if I can help you in any way, um, as you start to ideate on that, I would be happy to. Um, so, for sure. yeah. For sure. Holly, we'll, def- we'll definitely be in contact, for sure, for sure. I would definitely say, though, yeah, a podcast is, is definitely coming. I think... You know, there was, I don't want, I want it to be right. I have the idea. I know what I want to do. I know where I want to do it, but I want it to be right. I don't want to just rush into this and nothing, it doesn't need to be perfect, but there's a few things I want to iron out, a few, a few kinks that I want to ensure are good, you know, just would work. Um, I'll probably sound 95% there, but yeah, I'm really excited. So. <laughs> well, I think it's really great. I mean, you know, like I said, I'm I'm a big advocate of it, you know, an RSS feed can go anywhere and um, it makes you accessible in other places. You know, I, I this show is heard in over 92 countries. So you got to figure like there's some people in that mix there that are not watching an Instagram live or on Clubhouse. So you reach more people, you build a bigger community, it's more robust and it's more diverse. Yes, exactly that. And it's part of the reason why I use Twitter. Like I, didn't, I was like, oh, I don't like Twitter, you know. I would say, oh, you know, Twitter, all you do is rage engage on Twitter. You put something out there, you say like, I hate, you know, no, you say like, I love oranges. And somebody's like, oh my God, like your silence on grapes is deafening. Like how dare you just diminish the value of grapes? It's like, why would I ever go to this platform? Like all they do is argue with each other, but then you find community there as well. Um, and I've managed to grow, like I think I've, well, I've got like 88 followers in the past three days, just through tweeting about random things, whether it be NFTs, whether it be, you know, love, life, definitely not politics, but love, life, <laughs> things of that nature. And yeah, um, if people like them, you know, like it and repost it. And, but yeah, it's just a steady sort of growth. The same on Instagram. Just, um, you know, whatever I cook, I then do a video of and put it out there. Right. It's it's really interesting how these things kind of work and how, you know, and how these how these platforms harbor different communities. One thing I will say about the social audio creator, and I, I say this like with my chest, people who create on this platform or in any social audio platform they have a different edge to them i think these platforms are going to create incredible thought leaders creators influencers call them what you will not only will they be able to go into it's not like you a 16 year old who's gone viral on tiktok from idaho right like it's it's not that it's for the most part it's people that can speak well they can ideate on the fly. They're witty. They're humorous. You know, they break down ideas and subjects quickly in front of a live audience. 
on top of all of this, if they look good, right? There is there is so much scope and growth for you to do so much with them. I, as I said, I'm the world's first, and I'm being you know, there's things you know, rumors <clears throat> of me being on TV, or <laughs> Matt. All manner of things, but this is what is available to the people who truly come here, cultivate community, like truly cultivate community, and really double down on what it is they are and what they want to bring to social audio and the world beyond. It's a honestly, I on as I said, I may be the first, I will not be the last. I think there are going to be some insane creators that start here or really you know, start in social audio and go on to do incredible things. That's amazing. I, I have to say, as far as Culture Factor podcast, <laughs> I want to end on that note because I think it is so incredible. Um, I did have one last question for you, though, on a much lighter level. Um, and uh, you had brought up Twitter and I think it's so interesting how on all the different platforms, we show something else about ourselves, right? To, and on Twitter, I noticed that you post a lot about food. And <laughs> you see, I, I've been everywhere. I know where you're at. <laughs> you're going to be sick of me. Um, I noticed that you might be a vegan from the looks of what you're presenting on there. And um, I think you enjoy cooking. So do you want to share with me, are you a, a vegan and what you're making for dinner today? That is, I, do you know what's really, I never speak about it. I never, ever, ever speak about being vegan, ever. But yeah, you're right, I am vegan. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do my research. Me. You're a detective, Holly, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've been vegan for about three and a half years, three years. Um, interestingly enough uh it's a long story about how it started but yeah it's been it's been great um you kind of then have to learn how to cook again and i really do enjoy cooking um i don't get to do too much of it but last week i took a big break from social audio from you know everything pretty much and the only thing i would do is wake up have a look at recipes on the internet and then walk to my local tesco's or sainsbury's i was like i don't want to use my car much it's only like a two mile walk walk there, pick up the ingredients I want, walk back and then start to prepare a meal, but make sure I had enough for my breakfast, lunch and dinner. And that's all, I, it was the most like amazing week. Um, so for me, cooking is one of those things that I've only really started to explore. Um, and I'm actually, <laughs> I'm actually putting out my first cooking reel uh, later this week. Cool. <laughs> um, loads of people are like, yo, how did you make that? That looks incredible. I made these um, blueberry banana cinnamon lemon zest waffles oh. and they <laughs> so were so good like the one of the best things i've ever made and i think a lot of it now is um i think i understand my palate a lot more um you know when i try and use things like you know coconut flour and you know coconut sugar and really try and make you know all the ingredients organic as well um it's just been a brilliant space to play in um i think if you're a creator and you've never you've never cooked or never given yourself that challenge honestly d dive dive head first in you you'd really surprise yourself and there are so many resources out there on the internet that really show you you know well you know you can cook like this or you can do this and if you're vegan you know take this out and put this in instead so yeah that whole space is something i'm definitely exploring i don't think i'm going to be on a, you know the great british Brit bake off 
anytime soon. <laughs> but <laughs> it's something I enjoy doing and it's really interesting. It's something that the people that follow me really have been enjoying. I've got a bunch of DMs. Like, this is great content. Um, please do more of this. We're thoroughly enjoying it. That's awesome. That must feel really good. And you probably are going to start to build up your repertoire of recipes because people are going to start sending them to you. And maybe you'll do like where you where you present them like a live Instagram and you do the taste test and everything with their recipe. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, maybe in April, I'm thinking about doing, a, you know, a Lake District retreat with a bunch of people that are clubhouse creators, clubhouse people that listen and yeah, maybe I'm thinking of doing like, you know, four days away and I'll do a bunch of cooking and have a bunch of vegan chefs there. It'll be, you know, walks and talks, walks, talks and eats of Abraxas, maybe. Who knows? Oh, that sounds really <laughs> cool. This is in LA, right? You're doing this in no, LA? No, I'll be doing this in the UK. Oh, I'll in the UK. In, um, probably, probably the Lake District. I'm sorry? Around about the near near the near the Lake District around there. Um, okay. But it's an idea that I've been I've been wrestling with for a while for a while now. I was just like, man, how cool would it be to just you know, we just walk and talk. You know, and once it, we're done walking and talking, we could come back to this amazing mansion and have great food together. No, I think it's amazing. <laughs> I think it's amazing. And I think when you do get off of social audio and you just exercise your social skills and you uh, give space, you know, to talk with people and allow for the pause and to, um, exercise or ideate together like that's when the magic happens in my opinion I, I seriously seriously agree i think the sole aim of this thing together would be to um maybe in that weekend create a book uh the book being called i mean i've done rooms about this before the manual to happiness where everybody would have a chapter a chapter existing of no more than three thousand words like no more than that and everybody would have a chapter, but to get 10 people that I really like and really respect. And, you know, as I said, it's not about the money. I don't care how we do the money. It's about the creation. Um, and yeah, we'd maybe do it over the space of a weekend and eat good food and laugh and cry and walk and talk. And So it's something on work. I've been off social audio for a while now, just kind of ideating and thinking about what's the next level here. And this is that's one of the things, meeting in real life, but there's so much more. I've got an Oculus Rift now, and I've got so many ideas going through my head about how I could play with, you know, so many ideas about how I can play in the metaverse now. And it's a really exciting time for anybody who's a creator. And I'll say this because I know we're, we're hitting hitting time. If, if you want to ideate, if you're unsure of what you're doing, if you're trying to move job, if you want to be a social audio influencer and want to do it full time, if any of these questions are, at, you know, you know, if any of what I've said has kind of resonated with you, I am literally one click away. Like, find me on Instagram. I have nothing to sell to anybody. Like, I have nothing to sell. I don't have an ebook. Um, I don't believe in that model. Um, but what I do have is time. I have an Instagram. So feel free to DM me on Instagram. The only thing I would ask is, please follow me and engage with my content. I want to create a community of people that are truly, 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 truly like web three ideators and people that have navigated from one career to another and people that are love enthusiasts and people that are just dope human beings. So if you're a dope human being, follow me on Instagram. Let's connect. Let's talk. Let's hang out.
I love that. And um, I will, for the show, um, I will be putting all of your links in the show notes so that people can find you. Um, and I would love that, you know, when this show goes uh, goes live on Culture Factor, I know we're doing it live in Clubhouse, um, I would love it if people would engage, if you have questions, um, I, I feel the same way you do. I just would love to have the communities talk and engage and, and share the podcast because I think um, Abraxas is, I just think you're an amazing human. I just want to get the word out. <laughs> I want oh, people to learn about you. you. Thank you, Holly. Listen, we'll do something on Instagram Live too. Well, I would um, love it. We'll like, yeah, we'll do something on Instagram Live and just you know cross-pollinate and have fun and talk about the weird and wacky stuff that we're interested in. But as I said, I just, wanted, <laughs> as I said, I think you know a lot about podcasts. I know a lot about social audio. Let's just talk. I love and it. We'll just have anybody and everybody get on stage and they can ideate with us. Like, it's not, like, I'm telling you, what's happened, what's going to happen with Web3 is going to be really, really interesting. Like, the way we'll just disseminate information freely and these people that are trying to make, trying to charge you for an ebook, they won't be, they won't be here for the ride. I promise you. I promise you that, right? Nobody's going to have time for that model anymore. That's true. And the new model is the first social audio influencer, Abraxas Higgins. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying my best to be the blueprint. <laughs> <laughs> you are. I thank you so much, Abraxas, for coming on Culture Factor, for parking this time for me. You are just amazing. I've. It's just been a joy to interview you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I've got to go and do something very similar right now for NFT London, actually, in, in, in person. So I'm looking forward to that. I've got to go get myself ready. So um. <laughs> Go put on your Ted Baker and your IWC watch and go rock it. I love it. Hell yeah. <laughs> thank you again, Holly. Oh, thanks so much. And thank you, everybody, for, for coming. And if you want to follow the show and subscribe, just hit the pin link at the top. And uh, you'll be able to follow the show and all of these great conversations we're having. And I thank you, everybody, for coming today. Mm-hmm.